Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I was always a dreamer. I always saw a life beyond the life that I had as a child. It was like a big flashing light. This is what you're supposed to do. Everybody poo-pooed the idea. Network said it couldn't be done. You're in that zone, and it's that out-of-body experience where it just, everything clicks. Sometimes you have those dark moments. I was so depressed when I got fired. I was so mad. People don't need to be afraid to fail. And again, that, that's where you learn. You don't shouldn't be afraid of adversity. You know, that that is the thing that, that makes you strong. This is Jerry Levias. This is Jody Markell. This is Chi Yun. This is Dick Vitale, and you're listening to American Achievers. Welcome to American Achievers the podcast that celebrates ambition, commitment to excellence, risk-taking, and tenacity on the road to success. I'm Keith Dunavant. Some of my guests are world-famous. Some are rather obscure. Our weekly lineup includes entrepreneurs, athletes, military heroes, civic leaders, artists, and media figures. What they all have in common is a sense of undeniable purpose and an intriguing story that reflects the power of the American dream. Life is hard. Doesn't matter if you're born with the looks of a supermodel or the brains of a nuclear scientist. Life will kick you in the teeth when you least expect it. Life will break your heart and send you to your knees. But successful people understand that getting knocked down is just part of the deal. Consider the case of Archie Griffin. Griffin is an iconic name in American sports, the only two-time winner of college football's Heisman Trophy. This is the way it reads in the history books. But on a memorable day in 1972, Griffin blew his big chance. The humbling experience staggered him, and the doubts began to swirl in his mind. History twisted precariously in the wind. How Griffin responded to this setback would set the tone for the rest of his life. Your father had been a a coal miner back in West Virginia. Tell me about him. Yeah, my father was a a coal miner in in West Virginia, and uh, my three older brothers uh, were all born in West Virginia, and my family moved to Ohio, about a year before I was born. I was the first uh, Griffin that was born in in Ohio, actually in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, So uh, my father was a very, very hard worker, Uh, worked in coal mines and then came to Ohio. And and he worked three jobs to support uh, our family. I mean, we've we've got six brothers and a sister. And uh, my father worked very, very hard uh, to support us. And and my mother certainly was a a great uh, homemaker, and she was always there for us. Anything that we wanted to do, she was there to support us. So I feel very, very fortunate. Now, he moved uh, the family to Columbus, basically, for a better life, right? Moved to Columbus, uh, you know, to, to get out of the coal mines. Uh, he didn't want to be in the coal mines anymore. He moved to Columbus, 
and uh, ended up uh, working for Ohio Malibu Steel Casting Company and, and the Columbus uh, City Sanitation Department. And he also uh, would always keep a janitorial service a job uh, of his own that uh, was his, uh, that we all helped him with, actually. Uh, but uh, we knew uh, what hard work was just by for watching our dad and, and what he did to support our family. And that was pretty special. I mean, it really uh, kind of set the standard uh, for us because uh, we all knew that uh, to be successful, uh, it's going to take a lot of hard work. And uh, he set that example and set priorities for us that really uh, made a difference in all of our lives. Uh, that first priority was for us always to trust God. Second one was for all of us to get an education, a college education. Uh, and the third one was for all of us uh, to participate uh, in sports. He thought all of those things were very, very important. Certainly, uh, belief in God was important, central in our family. And uh, secondly, that uh, college education was something that uh, they didn't get. My mother and father did not get that, but they always wanted that uh, for their kids. In some way or other, they were going to make that happen. And fortunately for us, all of us uh, participated in athletics and were able to get uh, scholarships to go to college uh, to complete uh, our education. And, and that third priority for us to participate in sports, it was because he felt uh, that it was important uh, for us to learn the life lessons that you learned in sport, uh, you know, the will to win, getting up after being knocked down, which was most important, uh, working together with others. I mean, those things were very, very important to him. And he thought that they would help us in our future. So uh, those were the priorities that uh, my mother and father had for us. And, and uh, they're priorities that I have uh, to this day, even for my, my, my own kids. What's the most important lesson you learned from him? Just, just watching him, maybe. Uh, what's the most important lesson? The most important lesson just watching him was uh, work ethic. I mean, to watch a man uh, work three jobs, uh, leave the house early in the morning, come back late at night. Uh, I mean, that was uh, an example uh, for us, and it made a difference. And the thing that I always remember about my dad, even though he had those three jobs, I can remember when, when all of us, uh, my three older brothers, myself and and my younger brothers, uh, when we all went through high school, my dad would take Friday night off when we played those high school football games. He'd take that, those days as his vacation days. And that's something that I never, ever uh, forgot. I mean, that was uh, special uh, to me. And it, it, it kind of motivated me uh, to really be at my best uh, on the football field, knowing that my dad uh, thought it was uh, special enough to uh, take off uh, work to come and watch us play and use his vacation days to do that. Uh, that was that was that was special to me, and and I'll never forget that. Uh, always, uh, that's always something that'll that'll mean a lot to me. What did it mean to you when you in, in those situations when you looked up in the stands and saw him there and and knew he was paying a price for that? Well, what it meant was uh, that hey, hey, you need to be on your game. Uh, because your dad, uh, he, he thinks a lot of you and your brothers and your sister, and uh, he's here for you. And, and you want to make sure that you do your best, uh, not only uh, for your team, but also uh, for your dad and your family, because you're representing them. And uh, it was just special to me uh, to see him uh, in the stands. And I can remember when my older brothers were in high school and, 
he would come home uh, to get us all in our station in his station wagon and, and take us to those high school football games at East High School in Columbus and then at Linda McKinley High School uh, where my, my second oldest brother Larry played. And, and we would look forward to those uh, opportunities to be uh, with our dad. And the other times that uh, he would have off on Sundays, you know, going to drive-in movies and things like that, uh, you know, those, those were just really, really special times. Uh, but all along, you knew that in order for us to do those type of things, it took a lot of hard work on his part. Uh, when you work three jobs, supporting a family of eight kids, uh, it's, uh, it, it's not easy. What did you first realize that, that you had a, a, a talent for running with football? <laughs> that's uh, that, that's uh, a, 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 a good story because when I started playing football, Keith, I started playing for a team called the Maryland ACs uh, in Columbus. And the Maryland ACs was a team that was in the Bearcat Football League. And the Bearcat Football League, uh, was a league that had kids usually between the ages of 12 and 15 years old, and they had a weight limit of 135 pounds. Well, I started playing for Maryland when I was nine years old. And I started playing for Maryland when I was nine years old because I was a, a short kid, but I was pretty heavy uh, for my age. And I was too heavy to play for the teams that had a lighter weight limit. There were teams that had there were leagues that had a 90-pound weight limit and the league that had a 110-pound weight limit. But I had to play for the 135-pound uh, weight limit league. And, and when I started playing for them, I played guard uh, on offense and, and I played nose guard on defense. And at nine years old, I really didn't get to play a whole lot because the guys were a lot older and a lot better. And uh, you know, But I did get the chance to play in every game because our team uh, never lost a game uh, when I played for the Maryland AC. So... I would always get a chance to play in, in a game. Well, after having played two years with the Maryland ACs, my family moved to the north side of Columbus, and there was a team that started up in the Bearcat uh, Football League called uh, the Caldwell Temple Tigers, and I joined uh, that team. And it was when I was with the Caldwell Temple Tigers that I realized that I could uh, play uh, a running back. Uh, and what happened was uh, at practice uh, one day, none of the people playing in the backfield, none of the fullbacks showed up. And I started with Caldwell as a line, uh, as a lineman and a uh, nose tackle on defense, uh, but no fullback showed up. So the coach asked for volunteers uh, to play uh, fullback. And uh, like all linemen, I thought I could run with the football. I mean, that seemed to be a lot of fun. So I volunteered to play fullback. And uh, I obviously had a, a pretty good day that day because the next day uh, they left me at that fullback position. And that, at that time, I was probably about uh, 12 years old. And, and that's when I found out that uh, the fullback position was a, 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 a good position for me. Uh, and now that when I really think about it, because I didn't grow much since, uh, <laughs> since uh, eighth grade, uh, I cannot imagine a 185-pound, five-foot-eight-inch uh, guard playing at Ohio State University or, or playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm glad that I found uh, the real position for me, uh, being a running back, uh, out when I played for the Caldwell Temple Tigers. Uh, but it was uh, it was tough, but I, I knew that uh, running the football would be a lot of fun, and believe me, I enjoyed playing that position in little league football. And I also played fullback 
in, in, in high school, and then I switched to a tailback uh, once I got to uh, the Ohio State University. But the only reason I got to play that uh, position was because uh, no fullback showed up for practice when I played for the Caldwell Temple Tigers. Well, see, that just proves a great life lesson right there. Half, <laughs> half of life is showing up. That's exactly right. Uh, no, no question about it. Thanks for joining us on American Achievers. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to access our exclusive premium content, visit us at AmericanAchievers.us or search for American Achievers at Patreon.com. For a few bucks a month, you get to access our monthly email newsletter, the monthly American Achievers Extra audio program, and the quarterly Zoom show, American Achievers Green Room where you get to interact with one of our accomplished and intriguing guests. For details, visit AmericanAchievers.us and click on the Premium Membership button. Want to learn about my eight books, including biographies of Paul Bear Bryant, Joe Montana, and Francis Gary Powers? Visit KeithDonovan.com or your favorite bookstore. My latest, Speed, The Life of a Test Pilot, and the birth of an American icon. It's all about Bob Gilliland and the development of the super-secret SR-71 Blackbird spy plane. Now back to the program. Obviously, you had a great high school career, and you were recruited uh, by a lot of schools. Um, But at first, Ohio State was not uh, top of your list, was it? (laughs) No, Ohio State wasn't at the top of my list uh, at first, and, and mainly because... I didn't think Ohio State uh, would be interested in, in, in recruiting me. Uh, at that time, when I was coming out of high school, uh, Ohio State did not have a lot of kids uh, right from uh, Columbus, Ohio, and, and not many kids that played in the Columbus uh, City League. Uh, I knew that uh, Ohio State liked Ohio players, but we just didn't have a lot of kids from Columbus playing at Ohio State. So I did not think that uh, I would get uh, the opportunity uh, to play at Ohio State. So when the recruiting started, uh, the teams that really uh, showed a lot of interest in me in the Big Ten uh, were Northwestern, uh, uh, Michigan, uh, uh, Indiana, uh, just uh, just about all the Big Ten schools uh, showed some, some interest. Not all of them, but just about all of them. Uh, but Ohio State uh, wasn't there at first. Uh, but fortunately, uh, when my senior year, uh, rolled around. Uh, they took interest, and, and I was really, really happy uh, when uh, they came in the picture because uh, I knew uh, that Ohio State was a great uh, football team, and I knew about Coach Woody Hayes and how great a coach uh, uh, he was. Uh, and uh, I knew that it would be an honor uh, to play at Ohio State. I just didn't think that I would get uh, that opportunity. As a matter of fact, I was pretty much headed uh, towards, uh, headed to Northwestern. Uh, because they had uh, recruited me early and they showed a lot of interest in me early. And I liked Northwestern because they were uh, a good school, uh, good academics. And, uh, uh, and, they, and, they, and they, at that time, they had a really good uh, football program because my senior year in high school, uh, Northwestern finished second uh, in the Big Ten. And they had beaten Ohio State and had beaten a lot of the, the big schools uh, in the Big Ten. So, and you had a, uh, that was a you good had a, school. You had a memorable uh dinner at least one memorable dinner with Woody Hayes what was tell me about I that 
I had I had a, a, a lot of memorable dinners with Coach Hayes, but the first one that I had with him is the one that uh, really sticks out of my mind. I was in my senior year at Eastmore High School in, in, in wrestling uh, season. The football season had ended, and, and uh, it was still during that time where uh, coaches were recruiting athletes to play uh, football, and Coach Hayes uh, ended up calling uh, the coach's office, the wrestling coach's office. I was in the locker room, and the wrestling coach uh, came in the locker room and told me that uh, Woody Hayes was on the phone and wanted to talk to me. And I, I didn't, I didn't believe that when he he told me that. Uh, but I went in, in, into the coach's office, got on the phone, and lo and behold, uh, it was Coach Woody Hayes, and 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 we had a good conversation. And during the course of that conversation, he invited me to dinner that same night uh, at the Highlight Restaurant, which was a rest restaurant that was on the west side of Ohio State's campus, and uh, it was well known as Woody Hayes' favorite restaurant. And I remember uh, going through wrestling practice, all excited about the fact that if, you know, after that wrestling practice was over, I was going to go home, get dressed up, and and go to dinner with Coach Hayes. And I did all that, uh, got uh, to the dinner with Coach Hayes, and and uh, we had a good dinner, uh, had a good conversation. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, at the end of the conversation, I I really didn't think that he was really that interested in me. And I remember going home that night and, and, and my father, uh, you know, he came home real late after working his last job of the day and, and woke me up, actually, because my mother told him that uh, I had dinner with Coach Hayes. And he woke me up and asked me how the dinner went with Coach Hayes. And I told him, I said, Daddy, you know, I don't I don't I don't think he wants me to play football. for." Well, my father said, well, why do you say that? I said, because he never said one thing to me about football. He said, well, what did he talk about? I said, all evening, all he talked to me about was uh, getting an education and how important it was for me to get a, a, a college education. Well, my father looked me dead in the eye and he said, well, well, don't you think he's concerned about you as a person and not just somebody who's going to get out on the field and run for a lot of yards and score touchdowns for him? Right then, I really didn't know. But he continued to recruit me. And I was so happy that he did. And, and I ended up choosing Ohio State University, and I was so glad uh, that I chose Ohio State. Uh, I'll never forget in that first meeting that we attended as freshmen because we came in earlier than the, than the varsity. The first meeting that we attended, the first thing that Coach Hayes told us that if we were in school for anything else other than to get a good education, then we might as well get up and leave his meeting. And that meant something to me because it proved to me what my father was saying you know, might be true. I mean, he's concerned about us as people, not just uh, somebody that's going to get out on the field and perform for Ohio State. Well, Coach Hayes was uh, ambivalent, let's say, about freshman eligibility. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 he was. You came in in the the first uh, freshman eligible class in 1972, and he wasn't wasn't sure you were ready. And he sticks you in, and uh, (laughs) you did not have a good day. What do you remember about that? Well, well. 1972 was the first year the freshmen were eligible, and, and, and Keith, with that being the case, my my number one goal, my number one goal was to make that varsity team. That I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of that varsity because during the recruiting process, when I started being recruited by Ohio State, a lot of people uh, started telling me that I, I shouldn't go to Ohio State. They said, Archie, you're, you're too small. Uh, Coach A's, he only recruits the big backs well over 200 pounds. If you go there, they've got so many players, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. You ought to go to a smaller school where, where you'll get a good chance uh, uh, to play. You won't get that chance at Ohio State. 
Well, I felt that I knew my abilities better than anyone else. So I, I took it as a challenge uh, to go to Ohio State. And, and I'll never forget uh, when I reported to camp that summer of 1972, I was put at the back. And put at the back uh, meant playing on the fifth team. And playing on the fifth team meant playing on the scout squad. And uh, most people know what that is. That's more or less the beat squad. We were the guys uh, taking the beating every day from the first teamers. Our job was to run the opposing team's plays while the first team defense got their practice off the bus. And, 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 and I got to tell you, that was really, really uh, discouraging because for some strange reason, that first team defense seemed to know what plays we were running and when we were going to run them. So you couldn't gain any yardage at all. I wonder how that happened. Defense in practice. <laughs> because I know now I know that those coaches were telling what kind of plays we were going to run. And it was, and it, and it was so tough. And we were, it, we were a good football team too. I mean, we had a tough defense. We had some great players on that defense and, and uh, freshmen running against uh, the varsity. Ah, that, 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 that was pretty tough going. But that year, being fre- a freshman, being eligible, that first game of the season uh, was against Iowa. And uh, with that being the case, uh, a home game for us, uh, Coach AC allowed everybody to dress because he always said that, you know, if you practice for Ohio State, then you should be identified in Ohio State University uniform at a home game. And I was really happy about that because uh, that would at least show that, uh, you know, I was part of the team, even though we had uh, uh, about three of us that wore number 45 uh, that day. But it did show that I was part of the team. And the night before all the home games, you know, he would take uh, the varsity players to a hotel. Uh, we as freshmen, we would stay in a dormitory. We'd meet up with the varsity day at a game at the stadium. That game against Iowa started. We were beating Iowa pretty bad. In the fourth quarter, a couple minutes to go in the game, uh, he gave a few freshmen a chance to play. And he gave me a chance to play. And I was really excited about that because I felt that this was uh, my opportunity. If I could get in that game and and uh, make a big play, uh, uh, make a touchdown, uh, he might put me on that varsity team. You got to hold yeah, on to the ball so. first. I, that, that was the goal. That was the problem. <laughs> I didn't hold on to the ball. I got in the game for one play. Play was called was an 18 sweep pitch out, uh, going around the right side. Uh, when they called the play, I was really excited. Broke the huddle, lined up nine formation. Quarterback started calling the signal, and I got to thinking. I said, you know, I wonder if our offensive line is going to open up a hole for me like they've opened up for other running backs to run through because all day long they've been making huge holes for our running backs to run through. I was wondering if they're going to do the same thing for me. But when the ball was snapped, the first thing that I did is I focused my attention on the hole in which I was going to run through instead of looking the ball into my hands like you're taught from day one in Little League football when you're going to pitch out for a pass. Look the ball into your hands. I didn't look it into my hands. I looked at the hole that I was going to run through. And when I looked at that hole, I was shocked because those guys had opened up a huge hole and uh, I was looking forward to getting into that hole. But instead of me getting into that hole, I dropped the ball because it hit me in the hand. And I did not concentrate on watching that ball come into my hand. And as you can imagine, after that, I was totally disappointed. I felt as if I had blown my big opportunity. I didn't think I'd get another opportunity to keep. And uh, uh, that was a very, very disappointing. But again, my father uh, had an impact on me because that night I, I went home uh, after that game. And he said something was wrong with me. Uh, it was Saturday night, and uh, I told him. I said, you know, I I don't I don't know. If I'll get another chance uh, this year, being a freshman. 
uh, being a fifth team tailback, being on the scout squad, uh, just fumbled. I don't know that I get another chance. And uh, my father said, Archie, you know what? They put you in the game for a reason. They felt like you could play. All you got to do is keep working hard, do what you were doing before this game, and uh, you'll get another opportunity. You got four years to do it. And uh, I'll never forget that. And, and I went back to practice, uh, still fifth team, still on Scott squad. I worked hard. Uh, and that next game came along, and, and uh, that's when I got my shot. See? You had a lot of competition. You had a huge squad at, uh, at Ohio State at that point. A lot of guys wouldn't have come back from that. Uh, mentally, how did you yeah. keep it together without, without losing that confidence? Well, well, my father certainly helped uh, in his comments, but uh, you know, I, I, I've always been a, a hard worker. I mean, I, 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 I felt like that. Uh, you know, if I go out and and I work hard, you know, I don't know when it will happen, but uh, somehow hard work is going to pay off. Uh, and uh, we had a bye week in between that Iowa game and the next game, which was against North Carolina. So we had a scrimmage, and and again, uh, you know, I played against the uh, varsity in that scrimmage and uh, did pretty well, as well as you could expect when you're running against the number one uh, defense. And so I, I believe that uh, uh, the coaches saw that and, 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 and several of those coaches, from what I understand, when it came to that uh, North Carolina game, pounded the table uh, for me uh, to get into that game. And when you pound the table with Coach Hayes, uh, he would always say, if you pound the table, then you're putting your job on the line. And I understand there were several coaches uh, that pounded the table, in particular uh, the backfield coach, uh, Rudy Hubbard, uh, line coach, uh, Ed Perkinby, and and uh, Ralph Staub, and, and, and those guys were all pounding the table uh, for me uh, to get into the game. And, and Woody uh, uh, submitted to that and, and uh, allowed me that opportunity to get into that North Carolina game. Truly a surprise to me. <laughs> and you didn't do anything but set the school uh, rushing record that day. <laughs> that that day, and, and 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 keep I tell you, man, I I I was in a daze that whole time. When I got in the game, it was probably the middle of the first quarter. We were down uh, seven nothing because North Carolina blocked the front of ours, and, and they went ahead of us uh, seven to nothing. And, and all of a sudden, midway through that first quarter. Call from the bench, call for me to go into the game, and and uh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but they kept calling Griffin, and I was the only Griffin on the team at the time. I went up to Coach Agee, grabbed me by the shoulder pad, told me to go in. You know, I got all excited with the run out on that field, and because of the excitement, I, I'd almost forgotten to take my helmet with me. I mean, it was just uh, that uh, uh, exciting to me, and, and I just almost forgot everything, man. I went into the game in a day the whole time. All I can tell you is that my number was being called and I was running with the ball. And, and I was in a daze uh, the whole time. I came out of the game in that fourth quarter. The, the fans in Ohio Stadium, they, they, they stood up and gave me a standing ovation, and they did that because that was a Ohio State University rushing record, uh, rushed for 239 yards uh, that day. And uh, I'll never forget the, the feeling I had leaving that field and, and seeing all the, the people stand up, uh, it was uh, it was an incredible feeling. Uh, but well, you know, what I, did that What did that mean to you to, to have the have them stand up and you know applaud you like that? Uh, well, it meant the world to me because you know I, I had never really seen that before in a stadium 
like that. I mean, 86,000 people in a stadium. Uh, and I'm having the opportunity to play in front of them and to see them stand up like that. Uh, it was, uh, it was to me, unbelievable. Uh, but when I got to the sideline, I must say, uh, I thank God because I knew that if it wasn't for him, that that situation never would have happened uh, for me because the night before that game, Keith, uh, when I prayed like I do every night, I asked the Lord to give me a chance to play in the game. When he gives me the chance to help me play to the best of my ability. And he did that for me. And I'm so very, very thankful uh, for uh, that opportunity and uh, for those results uh, that allowed me to become uh, the starter at Ohio State and, and was really the springboard to my uh, whole career at uh, Ohio State University. Was there a moment in which you, you kind of shifted from feeling like an underdog to feeling confident in your role that you were the man? Well, I, I don't know that there was a moment because after one game, you don't feel like you're the man because, uh, you know, you, you're still playing Division One college football against great, uh, great athletes. And I knew on the teams that I played on at Ohio State that those guys were some outstanding athletes, some great athletes. So I, 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 I never really felt like I, uh, I was a man, especially uh, in that freshman year, because we, we had some truly talented guys that, uh, who I felt were pretty doggone special and uh, that, uh, that, that, you know, that they were for the men. They were upperclassmen, uh, the whole work. So I, I, at that time, I know I never felt like I was really uh, the man. I just wanted to be a part of that team, and, and I wanted to uh, enjoy the successes uh, that uh, this team was in, were enjoying. Uh, and I just want to be a part of the team. And, 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 and I got to tell you, it was a fun year, 1972, to be a part of the Ohio State University uh, football team. I loved my teammates. Uh, we all had a great time. We had the opportunity uh, to go out to the Rose Bowl and, and play a great USC team who was probably one of the best teams that I ever saw playing in college. Uh, that year, uh, I mean, it was it was it 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 it, it made me feel uh, really really good to be a part of what I was a part of. 1973, you come back as a sophomore. You'd had that great freshman year. We used to to uh, talk about Ohio State being three yards in a cloud of dust, <laughs> and then Archie Griffin comes along, and you change that. <laughs> 73 is one of my best years, no question. I mean, I I I loved. Uh, what we had, uh, I mean, 72 uh, was a great year, but 73, it kind of uh, unleashed uh, our offense. We got a, a quarterback that came in, uh, Cornelius Green, who was the same year as I was, and so we were college roommates. Uh, he was a very exciting quarterback, flashy quarterback. Uh, he ran the option uh, like a magician, and uh, our offense just clicked. I think our defense may have given up for a whole year, uh, Keith. Maybe 70-some points for a whole year. I'm talking about a whole year. I'm not talking about in two or three games. I'm talking about a whole year. It used to be called a three-yard in the cloud of dust. Uh, but uh, when when uh, we went to that I formation, and, and, and instead of the, uh, uh, the three-back uh, uh, formation or, or the robust formation, as uh, they used to run before I got there, uh, it really uh, started clicking. And we really started moving the ball in, in big chunks. 
And, of course, you had that memorable uh, tie against Michigan. Oh, 10-10 tie. That year, uh, both Michigan and us, we were undefeated uh, going into uh, the, the, that game. And I don't remember how we were rated. I think we might have been number one. They might have been uh, three or four, something like that. Uh, but the game was being played uh, at Michigan. And uh, the game ended up – it was a hard-fought game. Every game I played against that team up north, every game I ever played against them, that was hard-fought. And and I got to tell you, uh, when you played against them during that time, uh, you could barely walk the day after. As a matter of fact, I, I've said many a time that uh, if we had to play a game the next week after that game, I might not have been able to play it because – that game was just that physical and it was just that tough. Uh, but that was hard fought. We pretty much beat them the first half. They beat us the second half and uh, ended up being a 10-10 tie. The athletic directors had to vote uh, to see who was going to go and represent uh, the Big Ten uh, in the Rose Bowl. And uh, everybody thought that uh, Michigan would get that opportunity because we had gone the year before in my freshman year, and everybody thought Michigan uh, would get that opportunity. Uh, but as the athletic directors voted, I think they took into consideration that uh, Michigan's quarterback, Dennis Franklin, uh, got hurt in in that game, and they didn't know if he'd be able to play in the Rose Bowl. And uh, so the athletic directors voted, I think, a 6-4 to four vote uh, that Ohio State would represent the Big Ten. And I got to tell you, I was really happy about that. We were excited about it. I was surprised that they voted for us. Uh, but when I look back on it, uh, I think, look, it was a 10-10 tie. And the game was played at Michigan. And there's got to be some sort of advantage for it being a home game. And I thought that they looked at it well. They played them at Michigan. Michigan couldn't, couldn't beat them at home. And uh, Ohio State deserves it. And that's the way I've looked at it. Uh, ever since. And I was so glad that we had that opportunity to uh, go out there and play USC because USC had kicked our tails uh, the year before. As you get to know Coach Hayes during that period, what were you learning from him that was beyond football? Well, beyond football, and he taught us a lot about the game. I mean, he was an intense man. Uh, I loved him because uh, he was a man who I felt uh, uh, was fair. Uh, I mean, he was tough, uh, but he was fair. Uh, he asked you to do things. He expected you to do them. And if you would do them, uh, then uh, you always had uh, good results. But hard work was one of the things that I, I learned from him, too. Uh, but that was not just on the football field, but also outside the football field. Uh, one of the things that uh, stuck with me uh, throughout my life uh, that Coach Hayes taught all of us that he always talked about was that uh, paying forward mantra that he got, uh, where he always talked about Ralph Waldo Emerson in one of his essays. Uh, he said, you can never pay back the good that someone may have done for you, but you can always pay forward line for line, deed for deed, uh, by helping someone else out. And Coach Hayes preached that, and and uh, I always felt that one of the reasons that uh, a lot of the players 
that uh, have played that have played for him are doing so well in the communities in which they live uh, because they are helping people. Uh, they are paying forward, and they got that uh, from Coach Woody Hayes. And I, I can tell you, uh, one of the reasons that my wife and I uh, have a foundation, uh, Archie and Benita Griffin Foundation Fund, uh, to help support uh, kids in education and, and, and educational programs is because of Coach Hayes uh, telling me about paying for it, doing things to help other people. And uh, he made an impact uh, on me, made a big impression on me with that. And uh, that's one of the most satisfying things that, that I can do uh, today is do things to other people. And he got that point home to all of us and it made a difference. You're listening to American Achievers. Stay tuned for more conversation. In 1973 and 74, when you had those great back-to-back years, did you feel yourself getting stronger? Did I feel myself getting stronger? I, you know, I, Woody, Woody used to have this saying, Keith, uh, that, that always stuck with me in the back of my mind. He used to always say, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same. And for me, that made me think that, uh, you know, I had to get better. I had to do something uh, to get better every year. I had to work uh, even harder than I worked uh, the year before. And I was always a hard worker, so I didn't know how that was going to be really, really possible because I always felt that I put everything in uh, to my workouts because I've always felt uh, that the best way to be in shape or is to never get out of shape. And so I worked really, really hard physically uh, to be uh, the best player that I could possibly be. And one of the reasons that I worked really hard was because I had a backfield mate by the name of Brian Bashnagel. And Brian Bashnagel uh, was a great wingback for us at Ohio State. And I always wanted to work out with Brian Bashnagel because Brian Bashnagel, Keith, uh, he was always in tip-top condition. Brian Bashnagel could run forever. And I always felt that if I would work out with Brian Bashnagel and I could keep up with him and his workouts, then I was going to be in the best shape that I could possibly be in. And so that's what I tried to do. And uh, Brian helped me a lot because I was always in really, really good condition because I worked out with Brian and I tried to keep up with him in those workouts and I and, and, uh, was able to do that. And uh, it helped me uh, be in the best possible condition uh, that I could possibly be in. And being in the best condition that I could be in certainly helped me uh, perform the way uh, that I performed out on the football field. When you're out there at that point and you're feeling it, you know that, that you are, you're in your best shape, you are, uh, you're concentrating, you are, uh, you're intuitive. What's going through your mind when you, when you're taking a handoff and, and, and you're <laughs> looking for that seam? What put me in put me in that seam with you? Well, you know, you, you take that handoff and you're looking for anything. I mean, there's a way that the play is designed, but the play doesn't always happen the way it's designed. So you have to have good peripheral vision uh, to really see. Uh, where uh, the spot is that's uh, going to open up for you uh, to free you uh, so that you could get a, a good play. Uh, most of the time, it, it, would, it would be 
where the coach is designed to play. I mean, that's what you want to uh, really go to first. You you really want to stay with that for a while until you see that uh, there's no other place to go. And then you find an opening and, and you just react. Uh, you know, I, I can't give you any specific thing that you do. You just react as a football player and you do whatever you can do uh, to get yourself loose or to gain uh, more yardage than you would have gained if you stayed uh, in that hole. How much of that, looking back of it, uh, on it, uh, how much of that was, was natural talent and how much of it was, was learned and preparation? I think it was uh, both. Uh, how much was natural talent? I think a lot, a lot of it was natural talent, but, but uh, uh, you also want to be disciplined and, 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 and know what your assignments are and, and, and make sure that you exhaust uh, that hole as much as you can when you're running the ball uh, so that you can do what the play is designed uh, to do. But a lot of it is, is, is natural because when you get to that point where there's nothing there, you just react and, and you be a football player. And, and uh, that, that, that's, 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 that's what you got to do. But it's a, it's a, it's a game where, where, you know, people react. Uh, and, and Woody used to always say there's three things that happen in a football play. There's an action, uh, there's a reaction by the defense, and then there's a re-reaction uh, by the offense. And, and uh, those players that really, really stand out really do a great, great job in that re-reaction. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, do some good things in that re-reaction phase uh, that helped me uh, along the way. Well, of course, at the end of that 74 season, that great season that you had, uh, you won the Heisman Trophy. Put me in that in that room. You didn't think you were going to get emotional, did you? But but you did. Oh man, I I, I got to tell you, I, no, I, I I had no idea. First of all, Keith, I didn't I didn't I didn't think that I would win a, uh, the Heisman Trophy. I didn't, really didn't think much of, of of winning the Heisman Trophy in that junior year. Uh, you know, again, I just want to be a part of a, a Big Ten championship team, uh, go to the Rose Bowl, and uh, have success that we were enjoying as a team. And and as a result of playing on, on some great football teams with uh, people who I always felt made me look good enough to be considered for the Heisman, uh, I got that opportunity. And uh, uh, when I found out that uh, I won the Heisman, I was uh, looking forward to being in New York, very first time in New York, actually. And uh, got in that room for the, the, the dinner, uh, got up, my turn to speak, and I don't know what happened. Uh, my emotions just took over, and I just started crying. Uh, and I started crying because I got to thinking of what got me there. Uh, I thought of uh, my family, uh, my mother, my father, and, and all the hard work uh, that they did. I thought about my, my older brothers, uh, Jimmy, Larry, and Daryl, who uh, kind of showed me the way. And, and then I thought about my younger brothers, uh, Raymond Duncan and Keith, and my sister, Crystal, who, you know, I wanted them to be proud of me. I wanted to be an example for them. And then when I got up to speak, all that just hit me. And, I, you know, again, I thought about all of them. I thought about uh, the teams that I was on at Ohio State. I thought about uh, the teams that I was on playing high school football, 
uh, Little League football. I thought about uh, my high school football coach, Bob Stewart, who had so much faith in me. And uh, he had this saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of fighting the dog. That sign meant so much to me uh, because it told me that uh, don't let anybody tell you that you're too small. Uh, you get the opportunity. You've got a big heart. You can make it happen. Uh, I'll never forget that. And so I, you know, it all just hit me and I got emotional, started crying. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I look back on it, uh, you know, I, 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 people say, why, why did you start crying? I said, well, I have no idea, but it happened. It, it, emotions just overtook me. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm proud that I thought about all those things uh, because it was a very, very emotional moment. And, uh, and, I, and I thanked all those people that I shared with you uh, because of, of what they had done uh, in my life. And uh, they meant so much to me. Uh, but those things happen. You know, when, when, when those emotions hit you, you just let it hit you and you let it take over. Well, after all, football is an emotional game. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And you wouldn't have the success uh, that you have in the game if you didn't have those emotions uh, to go along with it. What do you think that moment meant to your dad? Oh, I think uh, my mom and dad, uh, my whole family, uh, were so proud. Uh, I mean, again, I, Keith, I, you know, I, I had never thought that I would get to that point of, of, of winning a Heisman Trophy. I mean, I went to Ohio State University just wanting to uh, be a member of the varsity team and, and hoping someday to get a chance to uh, to be a starter, to play in front of 86,000 uh, fans uh, in my hometown. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I was looking for. And lo and behold, great things happened. And uh, I couldn't have been uh, more fortunate. But I know that my dad, my mom, my family, uh, they were all so very, very, very proud. Of course, you come back for your senior year, and, uh, boy, everybody was keying on you. Uh, it seemed like you were taking a, a pounding much more so oh, yeah. your senior year. Tell me about that. Oh, no no, no question. I mean, you know, when, when, when you come back, you you know, you had been an All-American two years, and, and now you're coming back for a third year. Uh, you know, you, you take hits that you wouldn't normally take. I mean, we'd run that option play, and Cornelius wouldn't pitch the ball to me, but that didn't mean I wasn't going to take a hit. Uh, so, I mean, it was a very, very physical uh, year for me. After taking a pounding week after week in 75, you, you won the Heisman again, and you became the only guy ever win two Heisman trophies. Now, all these years later, you're still the only guy. What does that remarkable achievement mean to you? Well, I, Keith, I look at that as a, a team honor. I really do. I mean, you can't, you can't win a Heisman trophy without being surrounded by great players. And, 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 and I'll be the first to tell you, I was surrounded by great players during my time at Ohio State. Uh, I had some great linemen uh, that played. I played with uh, John Hicks, Kurt Schumacher, Teddy Smith, uh, uh, certainly Steve Myers. I mean, all those guys. I mean, those were all All-American guys. Uh, I had a uh, great backfield that uh, I played with, with uh, Pete Johnson, Champ Henson, uh, Cornelius Green, 
uh, Brian Bashnagel. I mean, uh, we worked extremely uh, well together. Uh, I was surrounded by a lot of great guys. I, I was at the right place at the right time with the right people. But I'll be honest with you, Keith, I did not think that they would give it to anybody twice. And uh, I didn't think they'd give it to me twice. And uh, when that happened, I was uh, really uh, kind of shocked and, 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 and really uh, happy, uh, not only for myself, but also uh, for the Ohio State University and our football team and, and, and all of us, because uh, that whole team had a part in uh, me winning uh, the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but the fact that it, it's been a long time and nobody's uh, done it twice yet, um, I'm shocked because I thought it would have been done uh, by now. I thought it would have been done by now. Does that achievement mean something different to you now than it did then? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's uh, it's always been a great deal to me because when you win a high, a lot of things change, man. You, your name changes. You're not only uh, Archie Griffin. Now you're Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin. And then when you win it twice, now you're two-time Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin. So everywhere you go, uh, it's preceded by a two-time Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that in itself is something that's very, very special. Uh, and it's meaningful uh, because of uh, who you played for and who you played with. Uh, so I'm, you know, it, 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 it's all very special, and even the fact that uh, nobody's won two yet hadn't happened. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes it even a little more special uh, that uh, it, it's gone this long. Uh, but again, I thought by now it would have happened. Did being the only two-time Heisman winner did that put too much pressure on your pro football career? I, I don't know that it put too much pressure on my pro football career because I look at them as two separate uh, uh, stages in life. You got high school football, you got college football, you got pro football. And I've always believed in place. I mean, if you're in the right place for uh, you'd have that kind of success in high school, you're in the right place for you to have that kind of success in, in college. And, and if, you're, if you're in the right place to have that uh, type of success in pro, I mean, it, it'll be. Uh, when at Ohio State, I was fortunate enough, to, and in high school, I was fortunate enough to play on teams that uh, ran the football a lot. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, I went to a passing uh, football team. And, and I'll be honest with you, I enjoyed uh, being a part of a passing football team because uh, I had the opportunity to play professional football with some great players. And I, I saw some great receivers uh, uh, catch the football. Uh, guys like uh, Isaac Curtis and, and Chris Collinsworth and, and, and folks like that, uh, that, that that were truly outstanding. And I saw some great uh, a great quarterback and Kenny Anderson, who I think uh, should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I uh, saw you know, them perform, and, and I was a part of that uh, with them. But we were not a, a running football team. We were a passing uh, football team. And, you know, I, you know, I, I went into the pros uh, thinking that, you know, I want to gain a thousand yards a season, but I found out quickly that I was not going to run the ball enough to get a uh, thousand yards in a season because I probably averaged around eight or nine carries a game and eight or nine carries, uh, unless you're Superman, not going to get you uh, a thousand yards. I switched my goals. I switched it from 
being uh, trying to say I want to get a thousand yards a year to averaging over four yards uh, a carry, uh, which is uh, in pro football is a, a, a great average if you can average four yards a carry. And uh, I was able to do that, uh, and I enjoyed uh, the time that I played my my eight years with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, my eighth year, I ended up uh, getting hurt and didn't get to play uh, the season that uh, I wanted to play, but uh, it was a great time during my time in Cincinnati, and I'd, I've always appreciated that. I appreciate the, the folks that I uh, that I met in Cincinnati, uh, the, the the my teammates. Uh, uh, the tough times that we went through, I look back on it. Uh, it made us a stronger team. Uh, and I appreciate certainly uh, the years that we went to uh, the Super Bowl uh, and having a 12-4 and four season after having a 6-10 and 10 season uh, in, in 1980, coming back in 1981, going 12-4 and, and, and going to the Super Bowl. But how frustrating was it during that period when you were not starting, you were not getting the ball? That must have really worked on you uh yeah it did a little bit uh, when you know uh, after a period I, you know, I, I was not the starter uh i came in more on passing downs uh, can you believe that because when i went to cincinnati they didn't think i could catch a pass and then when my career ended uh, i was going in and passing uh situations and and uh, that was kind of surprising but the fact of the matter is i've always loved catching passes uh, even uh, when I was at Ohio State, I was hoping that we would uh, throw the ball a little bit more because uh, I love catching passes. But it was frustrating because as a running back, I felt that I was a runner. Uh, and I always felt uh, that I could uh, get in there and, and, and do uh, an outstanding job. And uh, I tell people all the time, because uh, they always ask me, are you disappointed with your uh, professional career? And I always tell them, you know, I gave them the best I had. You know, I did the best I can, the best I could with the opportunities that I got. And uh, and I can feel good about that and, and because I, I, I did uh, give it my best shot. Did you struggle with that mentally for a while? Yeah, I struggled with it for a while, uh, Keith. I mean, you know, you, you want to be in there. You want to be uh, contributing uh, every play if you can. You know, and, and, and I wasn't getting that opportunity. I was playing every game, and I, w- I was getting some some uh, getting good time even during the time that I I wasn't a starter because I would go in again in passing situations and some running situations. Uh, but yeah, you know, I wanted to do more. There's no question about it. Yeah, I struggled with it, uh, but at the same time, I I felt that uh, you know if it was meant to be, it was going to be. Uh, I was going to give my best shot regardless of. Uh, 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 what my pay- playing time uh, was like, uh, and and I did. I mean, I gave my best shot, and I think uh, even the folks in Cincinnati will tell you that I gave them everything I had to get. And uh, and uh, as a player, uh, you gotta uh, be happy with that because you didn't do anything uh, that would let the team down. You gave them your best shot. You gave them all you had to get. And to me, that's all that you can really, really do. And you got to make sure that you can live with that. And I can live with that. What did you learn about yourself during those NFL years? Uh, during those NFL years, I, I, I would say that, uh, you know, I, I learned that, uh, you know, every level, uh, it, it gets tougher 
I mean, and I knew that. I mean, that wasn't anything new to me. But every level, it gets tougher. And every year, <laughs> they're bringing somebody in uh, to take your job. And uh, you got to learn how to to deal with that. And uh, you got to learn how to compete uh, with that, knowing that every year, you know, the next person they get in at a running back, and they're bringing them in to take uh, your job. And, you know, and you learn to do it. You learn to do it. I mean, you learn to get along with those people. You learn uh, that uh, those people are working just as hard as you, and, and they want success just like you want success. And, uh, you know, you learn to, to, to work with them and, and be rooting for them to have success just like you want success. And uh, that, you know, to me, that's what a team is all about. What's the most important lesson that, that you learned about chasing success that kind of transcends football? Oh, I would say um, just for me, Keith, it was about being the best that I could be. I mean, not really worrying about other people uh, or, or what others were doing. Uh, my concentration was trying to be the best that I could be, no matter what the situation was. And the things that I learned as a, a youngster uh, really helped me in that. Uh, when I was young, uh, in the eighth grade, uh, a man who was a student council advisor for our student council when I was a junior high school, I mentioned three words to me, desire, dedication, and determination. Uh, desire, setting goals for self-dedication, committing yourself to achieving, achieving those goals and, and determination, overcoming obstacles uh, that might get in your way. And when he mentioned those three words to me, it told me that what those three Ds really added up to was being totally committed, totally committed to being the best that you could possibly be. So I learned then uh, at a very young age that if I totally commit myself to being the best that I could be, then I can have success. And that success might not be uh, the success that somebody else wants for you, but that success is something that you've achieved because you were being the best that you could possibly be. So I've always tried to commit myself to those uh, three Ds, you know, no matter what it was. Uh, whether it was uh, in, 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 in my schoolwork, uh, whether it was uh, in playing sports, whatever sport I would play, or uh, if it was in a job, every job I ever had, I always did it with those three Ds in mind, trying to be the very best that I could possibly be. Well, you got uh, knocked down a lot on the football field. That's, that was part of your job, but you always got <laughs> up. What would you say to uh, someone who's uh, in some other profession who um, is getting knocked around, not physically, but getting knocked around and is getting discouraged? What were you, well, what were you able to tap into to, to climb off the deck and, and go back for more? That's one of the wonderful things about sports. And I, and I, I truly believe that's one of the reasons that my folks uh, had that as one of our priorities as we were coming up. Uh, because when you play the game of football or you play sports, you learn how to get up once you get uh, knocked down. And in life, hey, I got to tell you, man, things don't always go the way that you want them to go. 
you're going to get smacked down. You're going to get knocked down. Uh, but if you really want to be successful, you got to be able to get up after being knocked down. And, and that's what sports uh, teaches you. It teaches you to get up after being knocked down. It's not over because things didn't go the way that you wanted to go. Uh, hey, there's something else out there uh, for you or for you to do, or there's something else you could do to make that situation uh, better. Just find what that is and, and really uh, do the best you can uh, to uh, achieve whatever that is. Uh, it's not over when you get knocked down. You always get back up, always get back up. I learned that in football and, 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 and uh, that's been one of the most important lessons that uh, I've ever learned because, you know, life doesn't always come up uh, roses. Uh, sometimes you're going to get knocked down and, and you need to, to get up to, to uh, achieve the things that you want to achieve. Very important. Very important. And how much of a, a sense of just personal pride, how, how important was that in your story? It's, it's important in, 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 in my story uh, because uh, of other people. I mean, it's important in my story because, uh, you know, you, you, you look at a guy like me who, who was, you know, five, eight and a half, uh, 185 pounds playing uh, professional football. And, 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 you know, I got knocked down uh, quite a bit in professional football, but at the time I, I got back up and I gave it my best shot. And uh, I had some success, uh, no matter at what level uh, it was. Uh, it's important that I can look at a youngster and, and tell them that, hey, uh, life's not going to always be peaches and cream. Uh, you're going to have some rough times. And in those rough times, you got to remember that it's so very, very important uh, to get back up after you get knocked down. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you get hit hard, you get back up and you try to go back and you try to go into that situation and you try to hit that situation as hard as you were hit to make sure uh, that you come out uh, on the other end successful. Uh, it's important to be able to say that. And, 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 and that's been the case for so many uh, people. Uh, you, know, you have tough times, uh, you, you get knocked down, and, and uh, it's hard. It's not easy. Uh, to get back up, but you can get back up. You can uh, be successful. You just got to make up in your mind that you're going to be uh, successful. You've got to remember uh, that desire, dedication, and determination. And you add those things together and you come up with a total commitment. You got to remember to totally commit yourself to being uh, the best that you can possibly be. And really, success is a mindset. Other people have expectations for you. Uh, and, and some of those expectations, you know, are probably uh, not achievable, uh, but others may be achievable. Uh, but you got to be able to do the very best that you can possibly do and be the very best that you can possibly be uh, to satisfy uh, yourself. Well, in 1978, when you were uh, persevering, going through some adversity in, in Cincinnati, your old coach melted down on television. Anybody who loved college football, that broke their heart. And I'm sure that it hit you like a ton of bricks. It sure did. Uh, that situation and that Clemson game when 
when uh, Coach Hayes uh, struck uh, the Clemson linebacker who intercepted our Easter pass, uh, I didn't see actually on television when it happened. I heard about it uh, the next day. I was actually watching that game, but I must have uh, gone in the kitchen or something, but I, I didn't see it when it happened. I heard about it the next day when I heard uh, that he had been been fired. That that really that really hurt uh, because Coach Woody Hayes, in my opinion, uh, was a great football coach, uh, but in my opinion, he was also uh, a better person uh, than he was a coach. And I don't say that because uh, of the success that I had at Ohio State. I say that uh, because of the fact that uh, you know, I lived with him uh, for those four years uh, uh, being a part of that football team, and I could see all the great things that that he uh, told us as young men, and to try to teach us as young men, and how important those things were uh, to us. I mean, when I look back on it, uh, the hard work uh, he really was a person who worked extremely hard. Nobody uh, was going to outwork Woody Hayes. He was going to work harder. Uh, that pay forward uh, that he always talked about doing things to help others. Those things have stuck with me uh, throughout uh, my life and they've made a difference in my life. And to see uh, that happen to Coach Hayes, uh, it, was a, it was a sad point. Uh, I hated to see that happen. But uh, at the same time, I will say this, uh, he was uh, a great football coach, a great man uh, who I'm so glad that I had the opportunity uh, to be around uh, because he made a great difference in my life. Well, in 1999, your old jersey, your number, was retired. First uh, first Ohio State number to be retired. That's a tremendous achievement. Uh, all the great players at OSU. What did that moment mean to, me, to you? Oh, man. Keith, that was, uh, that was unbelievable to me. Uh, they caught me by surprise. Uh, that was another time where I, I teared up big time uh, because they caught me by surprise. They actually did it on a Saturday when uh, we were having a, a, a 25-year uh, reunion for our, I think it was our 74 team. And so all the players, uh, a lot of the players on that 74 team uh, were back. And uh, I had no idea what happened. happen. They had our team out on the field, and then they announced – that uh, you know, number forty-five uh, was going to be retired, and and I it, it didn't register at first, uh, but then I saw that go up, and I just couldn't believe it, and I knew something was strange because my wife was down on the field, and my my youngest son Adam uh, was down on the field, and I'm thinking, well, what what are they down here for? You know, what what. How they get down here on the field, and and and, and so when they announced that, uh, my wife came out on the field and with my son Adam, and uh, they had uh, the jersey in a frame, and uh, they presented it to me, and uh, and uh, it was unbelievable. I I just uh, I was overwhelmed, really overwhelmed, and uh, I don't know what to say other than the fact that uh, it was just an unbelievable situation to me. Very very proud. Uh, of it, but again, it speaks to the type of people that I played with at Ohio State, and it speaks to uh, being in the right place at the right time with the right people. What do you make of uh, 
the NIL situation now, you know, I've, uh, preparing for this interview today, I'm thinking, man, how much would Archie have made in 1974? Yeah. You would have been well, on I, fire, man. <laughs> hey, Keith, I think about that too. But the fact of the matter is, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> in, in, in 1974, and 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 I'm happy for the players, but uh, they've got to get their arms around how this thing is uh, is going to work. Uh, I really think uh, that what people are saying about it being the wild, wild west. Uh, I think if that's exactly what it is right now. Uh, but I think they're going to have to get some more rules around it and how uh, that's going to operate. I'm happy for the players that they get uh, recognition and remuneration for uh, their name, image, and likeness. But there's a lot of other things that's going around with that uh, that is, in my opinion, not name, image, and likeness type stuff. Uh, My version of it or my vision of it was, you know, recruit like you've always been recruiting. Your kid comes to... Uh, your school or university, they have some success. If a company or organization in that community uh, feels that uh, they'd like to have you represent them or do commercials for them or represent their uh, uh, product, uh, then, you know, you can do that and you can get paid for it. But it's a lot more than that now. It seems like people are using this to to recruit promising people money before they even get there. Uh, they've got to get their arms around it. Well, as a lot of people probably know, you returned and spent many years at OSU with the alumni office and um, great ambassador for the university. What does that place mean to you? Well, I'll say it means the world to me. Uh, Keith, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I was the first uh, in our family born in Ohio and uh, I was born at the Ohio State University Hospital. Uh, so that in itself uh, was special for me uh, when I was recruited to Ohio State to be able to play a- at a school where I was actually born. And uh, then to come back to the university after I finished my pro career and worked there for about 34 years uh, really uh, was very, very special because I had the opportunity not only I worked in human resources. I worked uh, in the athletic department and I uh, ran the alumni association. Uh, I I did the whole ball of wax. And and, uh, it's special to be able to say uh, that you did that uh, for uh, your university. Uh, And and it's even more special to say that you were born at that place where you did all your work. And that's uh, something that I'm very proud of. Well, obviously, football fans are always going to remember you as the the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner. What do you want your family and your friends, what do you want them to remember you for? Uh, I would want my family and friends uh, to remember me for a guy who always did the best he could with what he had. And that means I always tried to be at my best. I want them to remember me for uh, being uh, a friend, uh, being a good brother, uh, being a person uh, that would help other people uh, pay forward by, by, by helping people with scholarships and, and things of that sort. Uh, that's what 
uh, you know, I want uh, people to remember it for. Certainly, uh, the football that I played, uh, I was very, very happy uh, with that. Uh, but uh, beside that football, I want you to remember that I was also a person uh, that uh, uh, helped other people. And uh, to me, that's what life's all about. Thanks to Lane McGibbony and all the good folks at Boutwell Studios for all the TLC required to bring this podcast to life. And audio engineers Joe Beeman and Jonathan W. Hickman. Remember, everyone has a special talent. You just need to identify it, cultivate it, and be willing to pay the price. You, too, can become an American Achiever.